the word shall be the cat this morning. Michael. I'm really glad we're all here. <laughs> yes. And I'm glad that the center is open. And uh, I was just noticing how um, I feel the support of Sangha being here. And um, just looking at sort of, you know, internalizing that. And why is that harder out there? Um, I didn't get much further than that. But I think the answer is practice. And. Um, so, so grateful that we're coming together again. Yes. Right? We're after, open again. Uh, yes. After some level of absence. Yes. And that in sitting here with that, to notice that there's a feeling of being supported. Yes. Which is hard to access. Harder. Uh, harder to access mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And just looking at what that might be. Yeah. I think it has to do with the voices. <laughs> it has to do with the voices. Uh-huh. Say more. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's like, uh, it's like out there in my life, things get more gray. Uh-huh. And when they're in here, they're more black and white. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You yeah, know, we talk right. about always like, all we're doing here is figuring out when we're here and when we're over here. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that yeah. the intuition is it's the voices and that there's a, a greater degree of grayness out there, whereas here, believability, or believability, mm-hmm. but yeah. here there's a, a way by which it's much, much more black and white, is what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I don't know if this is your experience, Michael, but I, I think that there's a way in which it is different, right? Mm. Because here, what we do, th- this is the environment where we come together and we're all practicing together. Mm-hmm and we're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Every person here is here because Mm -hmm. they are um, practicing. And so as an environment, it is different from out there where I'm living my day-to-day life. I'm not not in interaction or engagement in my life in the same sense that I'm here. It does feel different because it is different. Yes, yes, because Everybody's not doing the privileged environment. <laughs> no, and and so the purpose of I I often look at that because we we may be conditioned to believe that we have to have the same experience in all places. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Right. Yeah. And that yes, that that when I when I'm here, when I'm connected to this experience, the context of presence is the same process, Mm -hmm. but the flavor of presence may not be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other thing that dropped in, I don't know exactly how this is related, but I think about, um, you know, we talk about the pianist or concert pianist or whatever, you know, practice for hours and years, and uh, and then for the concert, you kind of let all that go. I mean, it's like you've done the work, Uh and then presence uh-huh. calls on all of those years. Uh-huh. So I don't know how that relates, but but what occurs to me is, well, I come here over and over and over and over and over, and then I go out there for the concert, and then I come back here and I practice and practice and practice. And so it's, um, it's good. Yeah, that there's a, in some, in this, what I hear you say is, 
here it's the receiving of the presence. Mm -hmm. And there it's the giving of the presence. Uh, right? You're uh. calling on what you practiced to be able to be available as you do what okay, you do okay. in your life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the quality is different. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. Well, speaking of calling on uh, practice and uh, experience, um, I have this moment uh, over uh, what I call the break between <laughs> <laughs> the time when we have daily calls to the time when we don't. And then yes, then this vacuum. Yes. Where uh, there was this moment of just intense self-hate where I, had, I just hadn't experienced it like that in and uh -huh. and, um, and I was just presented with a piece of information and conditionally interpreted in this way by all of its self-hate. Uh -huh. And and so I was able to call upon the, the practice to you know to take care of that, to take yeah. care of what was going on in that, you know, with all that. Um, but the thing that I've been looking at since then, for like a couple of weeks ago, it was really like just like half an hour of the day, you know, uh, it was really intense. And, but what I've been looking at since then is that, um, is that place of expanding uh, to that place of that, that everything is acceptable, you know, just unconditional love. Because, you know, it's, you know, if conditioning says, okay, well, if you're a dog, you're good, and if you're a cat, you're bad, then you're a cat. Uh-huh. Now, if I go to conditioning, I'm always going to be the cat, the yeah. acceptable thing, right? <laughs> and so, I, you know, really looking in that place is, okay, if I'm a cat, um, that, that has to be okay. It has to be okay. Mm -hmm. There's no other way to live in this world, for what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, so if I'm following, the, there's an intense experience of self-hate, which is actually just a fraction of a particular period of your life. Mm -hmm. But to recognize that even that is acceptable, mm -hmm. right? That uh, that the orientation to life has has got to be that unconditional love and acceptance, mm -hmm. or you can't exist, mm -hmm. because there will always be the self-hate that tells you you're unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And so the unconditional implies that. Whatever is considered unacceptable is still acceptable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the conditioning is always going to find something yeah. unacceptable. That, that's its orientation. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, I was listening to that recording that just posted. Put out there, yeah. But there, but there's this talking of like, well, conditioning, like, basically what what it is, right? That like, so if I'm going to uh, try something. I'm going to be told I should try it, this is how I'm going to get better, and then I'm going to get talked out of trying it, and then I'm going to get beaten up for being talked out of trying it, right? And it's the same thing in that, like, the conditioning is always going to do what it's going to do. The question is, what am I going to do? How am I going to show up? Yes. And, and really kind of getting, uh, yet again, that, that that's all there is. Like, just uh, being willing to kind of see you know, to, to be in that place of practicing all the time so that when those times come, whether hard times or moments or whatever they are, that there's someone who's trained up to that place 
know, it's like, okay, well, here we are. So what, what's, what will be supportive, what will be helpful now? Yeah, yeah so, so several things that you, 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 you're saying, right, Bob? So one is that we train so much to recognize conditioning for what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's the acceptance that we're bringing to it. Conditioning is hateful. <laughs> conditioning is going to get me to believe that I need to be improved, get me into a program of improvement, mm -hmm. punish me into trying, talk me out of trying, and beat me out of trying. I mean, we've seen that a thousand times. Mm -hmm. And yet we're surprised when it happens. Mm -hmm. So part of what you're pointing to is that the practice of knowing that these patterns exist is what we train ourselves in so that when they do show up, times of break between daily calls and you know, not, you know, when the support is less perhaps, or when just an event happens, there's a way in which the concert pianist who's put in hours and hours and hours of practice shows up because they because he recognizes the situation. Yeah, that's conditioning. So whatever is available to me to bring a level of acceptance to this place is comes comes. I can draw on that wealth of what I have trained in right. to be of assistance to me. And it mitigates the perhaps the the amplitude of the suffering. Mm -hmm. Right? It's not that we don't suffer, but right. somehow or the other I know that this too shall pass or there's something for me to see or that I'm going to get through this and I'm going to see something about it that awareness is also aware of it while we're in the middle of it. Right, right. And it also helps to clarify for me the you know, that difference between pain and suffering. Because that, that that's just that process of suffering that's going to try and it's going to try. And occasionally I'll get caught by it and occasionally I'll work my way out of it and all that. But that's very distinct from, from pain, right? From like, you know, sadness, or this is hard, or that was just a painful moment, or this is a painful thing that I'm going through right now. And the more that I find that I, I'm, you know, that I'm practicing with attending to, uh, you know, whatever comes up around suffering, it just really helps me to kind of see that when pain arises, there isn't that, um, it seems like there's like a training in like how to turn pain into suffering. Yes. You know, it's like, well, I'm having this thing, right? I can have a, a physical pain, I can have an emotional hurt or something. And that's just a thing. That's just that's just some sort of pain. But then conditioning wants to turn it into suffering and then create this confusion about what's what. Right, exactly so. So that there is a, that it's really, really helpful to continue to train to discern the difference between pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. Because pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And if I recognize what is pain and what, what is the process that converts pain into suffering, mm -hmm. then it's less painful, actually. There's less suffering. Not, not, it's less painful in the suffering sense, not that the pain disappears. And the, tool, the tools are available uh, of being with, right? I learn, I train to be with the pain rather than um, manage it or suffer over it. And it become, bring it into acceptance, I would project, that this is hard. This is something that is painful. Yeah, and it just makes me really grateful for practice, because 
as we often do around these holidays, we're suddenly brought with people who aren't part of our day-to-day -day world or practice. That's right. And, and the like, shock. <laughs> you know, and I feel just, I just feel just all this compassion for these people who are walking through life without that support because it'll be brought to me like I'll be talking about maybe some pain, right? Someone asks me about something. And, and I'll describe it without any suffering around it. But it'll be reacted to as if there is suffering. Yes. And what that just reminds me of is, oh, I'm just so lucky that I've been, you know, uh, have all this uh, this support to, to have clarity, clarity for myself about what's what. Yeah. Yeah, it really brings home to us uh, two things. We live in a world that is constructed on kindness and compassion and inquiry and intelligence and attention and, and, and we forget that that's our our, ori our orientation is shifted until we encounter and are mirrored by an orientation that is so distinct and then to fall into that place of compassion of recognizing wow you know there are so many people who don't live in that orientation and there's such gratitude for the ability to know to, to have practiced that and, and for that to be available. by a visual when listening of a comment. And there's an experience and practice of, of orbiting around the sun and then being flung out into space. Uh-huh. So the so the visual of a comet. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But 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 knowing that I am orbiting around something or my experience of the orbit is that sometimes there's um, an experience of being alone, but it's it's a solitude, not an isolation. Mm, yes. And where before there was a lot of conditioned uh, uh, resistance to being flung out, uh -huh. there is now this great joy in being wherever I am in the orbit. Knowing I am oriented toward yes. the source, yes. and there, I used to have great periods of depression and then great elation when I would come back, and I still experience that. But there's more. It's not so uh, severe. Polarized. Yes. Thank you. It's not so polarized, and. I was just very aware of the, the, the break that we've had and orbiting around the, the, the piece of the source that's here. And being so grateful for the practice and um, knowing that I would be okay, that, that, that I was, I was, I was coming back to orbit around on January 12th. <laughs> you know, but, yes. that, but, but my little spaceship had everything it needed yes. for the trip. Yes. <laughs> it's so beautifully stated, right, Calvin? Because I think that happens to be the trajectory of practice. When we start, um, we don't realize the process, our, our process. Mm. Part of the the practice is getting used to, okay, periods of depression are not everything. Mm -hmm. 
there's periods of elation. And then there's the oscillation between depression and elation. And then, okay, I, I actually orbit, and I get familiar with my or orbit, right? There are parts when I'm close to the sun and parts when I'm far away from the sun. And there's a process of being flung. And that, so that uh, distance is not isolation. That distance is just solitude because there is the exploration and the discovery of the source of the gravitational field that keeps yes. me in orbit. Yes. I don't forget that. That becomes intrinsic to my experience. Yes, and I can relax into that gravitational force. Yes. And, and, and You can and trust it. I can trust it and I can exalt when I'm out because there, I, uh, there's, there's always the experience of coming back with something I didn't have before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it seems, I, I, it seems that when we are in that place of solitude, um, it feels isolate, it feels separate or isolationist if we're not aware of the gravitational force. Yes. Right. Those are awful places. But, but there are places in order for us to discover that we're not isolationists. Yes. Those are the places where we discover the connection to the source. And it's necessary to be that far out to recognize that I'll be brought back. Yes. Right? And so we treasure those moments. And then when we have those moments again, you, you learn something else, which is, OK, if I can trust that I'll be orbited back into closeness in this relationship, then how do I experience the closeness in me? Now that becomes the discovery. And in addition to the pattern of knowledge of my orbit, right? And the orbit here versus and the relationship in here rather than my relationship with the source in this way, in closeness, right? Yeah, this is marvelous to um, learn that. And relax into it's all for me. It's sometimes really, really awful, <laughs> right? But in that awfulness, there's something that I and I learn, and it's always something about love that I learn. Yes. Yes. Never forsake it. Thank you. So, do you see your hands? And then I'll come back. Um, it's been a while since I've been here, and I was laughing about all the ways I was talking myself out of coming here today. Uh -huh. And the choices looked good, because one was yoga, like a meditative yoga, and this. And it was just funny you watching all, you know, listening to all the, no, and uh, I don't want to go, and that's a little farther than yoga. I mean, just like the list of excuses, and I just started laughing. I'm like, you're going to center. <laughs> and it was just, you know, it just like, that was such a great decision. Um, but I was something that struck me during the recitations um, was the word willingness. Mm -hmm. In a way, in all the millions of times I think I've recited it, I've never think because there's been some distance and I have not recited it for a while. And realizing, you know, willingness is the key, and just hearing like that's really all it boils down to is willingness. Um, and when I am caught up in periods of depression or drama or angst or whatever, it's really because there's nobody willing during that time to be free. Nobody wants to be free. Everyone and all the voices are in full force and everybody wants to suffer. And there's zero willingness to actually just let it go. 
Um, so it's just very interesting to hear that again and realize that really that is just a difference between suffering and not. It's just to be willing to not suffer. That's right. But I, yeah, and I think there is some, like you said, there is something that you do learn in that period of suffering. It's almost like you need that, the polarity to go back and forth so that you can see both sides and realize, well, where do I really want to be? Because when I'm over here, it's just pretty miserable. And after a while, you just drain yourself. You just can't take it anymore, right? At some point, you don't want to suffer anymore. And there is information, but I think what I've realized over the last like year is if there was even only a two-second gap between hearing the voice and acting on it would be the difference in your life completely, the choices that you make. Is this just how can I create two seconds of space between hearing something and then reacting to it immediately? Yeah, yeah, so much in that. So the noticing of the word willingness which I think is what was operating and bringing you here today, right? right? That there was the, there was the gap that you were talking about that allows you to see what is talking you out of what your heart desires, right? And finding the momentum or energy to go past that and to, to get it, get yourself here, and realizing that that is the key to suffering and not suffering. We say it in the short recitation: If I'm suffering, it's because I'm choosing something over ending suffering. And right. we always say in practice that we will stop suffering when we've suffered enough, mm -hmm. right? So you're, you're realizing that in this particular situation where it's painful or challenging, that there is not that, you have, we haven't suffered enough, and it's not a self-hating place. It's just a place of fascination and curiosity. Mm -hmm. We were looking at this on retreat, in the, in the New Year's retreat, and Sherry was talking about how the, the practitioner, the one who trains, the one who knows that that realization that you have in suffering is an awful place and not suffering is a different place. Mm -hmm. And I can make that choice. The practitioner is the one who sees that and who's in the training to be able to have the willingness to assist that human being caught in that place to come out of suffering. And the way we create that two seconds is practice. I, I keep showing up for practice because that is what allows me to create those two seconds. Mm -hmm. Hear the voice, train not to go. Hear the voice, train not to go. And as we practice it, it becomes much more available. And sometimes it isn't, sometimes it isn't. Right. Yeah. And something just to talk about, just the labeling of the word depression and really, um, if we didn't have such a societal uh, label or description of you know, depression being bad, depression is really just a change in energy that I've noticed. And you know, I went through a period sort of as soon as daylight savings happened, it was just like, oh God, you know. And it was really like I wanted to start calling it, oh, I'm so depressed. Like I felt the energetic shift, and then I heard all the voices come in and try to pile on how it's bad and how it's this, and it's like, no, just like all the cycles of the seasons. This is a time for introspection. Mm -hmm. There is a reason why we have seasons, and it's it was the first time in my life where I reveled in the sense of being alone, mm -hmm. and how and I was again felt the beginnings of the pylon of oh I feel lonely no, and I told them, no you are not alone. It was the first 
And it just felt, and I've just been reveling in spending time by myself and just enjoying like how the trees are barren and how this is just a cycle of life and this energetic shift is not bad. There is a purpose to that. And to stop calling it something bad because there's nothing wrong with wanting to be alone, not wanting to be around other people, and enjoying that space because there's a purpose for it so that you can be reborn. Yes. And I always used to say that was bad. And I would actually then become, it would become a negative space only because I was calling it something negative. Yes. Because I wasn't feeling my usual spring self and hyper and on fire and wanting to be around people and somehow labeling that as bad. Yeah. And so that was just something else that kind of came out of this that led to coming here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? so that's beautifully stated that when, and be, because what, what you're pointing to is the process of suffering, right? Which is wanting it to be different than it is. So that's how the suffering operates. You're feeling a shift of energy where you should be happy all the time or springy all the time, mm-hmm. as opposed to how you are, which is a lower energy. Mm-hmm. And a lower energy is intrinsically not. Mm-hmm. It's different from a higher energy. But if I was 100% present, I would not know that my energy was different because I wasn't, I'm not referencing something mm-hmm. that says a different reality is possible. Mm-hmm. And so to drop into that experience of, oh wow, I'm just low energy. And this feels natural. And to not go to the place of labeling it as mm-hmm. bad, which we're conditioned to do, as you said, because society labels depression as bad, so all low energy states are bad states. And to recognize, I don't need to buy into the labeling, and I can just enjoy this low energy. Mm-hmm. And, and even realize the wisdom of how nature operates, and to embrace that as, oh, this is a time for, for rest and rejuvenation and introspection, and, and everything is doing it. Mm-hmm. And I'm part of the everything that does it. It's a completely different experience. Yeah, it has never happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Never. Every single year, I think in my life, I've gone through this. I think you know, people get affected, you know, seasonal affective or whatever, and always look down on myself. Always had a pile of self hate around that, and that something must be wrong, yeah. and would find something in my life, and then just put the, that's what's wrong, yeah. and just look for reasons to attach to that energy feeling. It's very interesting. It is. Never connected in all my years in my life till now. Yes. Really? And so I'm so grateful. <laughs> and hope you're yeah. recording about it so that the next time that goes around, that insight is available to you. Right? Right. right. And, and something else you just said, which is, which is, you know, something that we always do, we point that out, right? It's not you that's doing it. You're, you're being controlled by the conditioning that says there's something wrong and there's something wrong with you. Right. It's not, it, I, mean, I mean, you're the energy that is low energy, not mm-hmm. the thing that labels it and says that's that. Right. And then resisting forces. People um, expect things from you because they think, oh, well, you're usually so energetic or social and, you know, then you have to sort of make excuses to people as to why you don't want to hang out and all that. and. There's always kind of a challenge around that. And for the first time, I just decided I just really don't care what anybody else thinks. I need to tend to my, my personal self, my home, to feel good. And if someone doesn't like it, that's just really their problem. That's their judgment. It's, that's actually not my problem. And it's, it's very difficult to stand up. Like I had to, it was the first time I really stood up for myself in that way to go, 
that's their judgment. Don't you see that I'm trying to make their judgment my judgment, but do I really believe that? Is it bad that I want to be alone? That I don't want to spend time with people right now? Why? Why is that bad? Who said that? Yeah, where's the information coming from? From them? Well, that's their problem. And if they're really my friend or if they really love me, they'll still be there. But there's a voice telling you, oh, you're going to be rejected. Or you're going to, you know, there's so many things fighting against what you feel like that's pulling you to go inward. Yeah. You yeah. Know? There always is something that wants to interfere with you taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the conditioning operating to say, okay, well, you've got to be afraid that if you don't, don't go out, then somebody will think something about you. And you go to the place of two sets. Mm-hmm. What, what, what I'm doing is standing up to this human being who needs this space mm-hmm. and uh, giving it to her. And if they go, then they go. Yeah. Then let it go. Then then goodbye. Mm-hmm. And just accepting that, and that's okay. And knowing that maybe there'll be some other friend when you're <laughs> in this new space. That feels a lot better anyway. Yeah. And yeah. having some faith around that. Right. Which is not easy. But yeah. It's not easy. And I think what we're building is the trust in the intuition that is on your side versus the conditioning that isn't. Mm-hmm. Right? As you said, I don't know. They can have their own experience, which is not the experience that's my experience. And if I if I'm projecting judgment, this is projecting judgment, or this and them is judging. Mm-hmm. But that's not my authentic connection with that human being. Right. Whatever is authentic here can always connect with what's authentic there. But ego and ego, they'll always be separate. So mm-hmm. I'm I don't need to be in relationship with someone else's ego. Right. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, I'm so grateful for um, all the opportunities we have practice, and and uh, there's so many of them that help during the in-between time. Uh huh. We're not having, you know, like being able to come here or something, and I'm so grateful for that. And these conversations have reminded me of. so I've been working on a, a jail class, uh-huh. class for the ladies, and what dropped in was a lost and found. And um, so I've just been looking at that, you know, and it's so interesting because... So lost and found being what the class is going to be about. Yeah, that's going to be the class. And because uh, after the, we go over the meditation and meditate and all that, we have still a long time, so then we talk about something. And uh, so this time, one of these times we lost and found. And um, with the perspective of, you know, how that ends, that song too, um, once I was lost and now I'm found. Mm-hmm. So it's always, I'm lost and then I'm found. And I was looking at it and I said, I was saying, you know, we are never lost. We feel lost. And the, the feeling lost is, of course, the separating from um, life. And um, because life, you know, the, whatever is out there is, or in there is always there. It's just our attention turns from it. And that's what I've been practicing for, for a really, you know, really hard, for a long time long time lately, for a long time, you know, is, um, is 
turning the attention to life or to to presence whenever uh, anything comes up that feels you know, at least a bit lost, mm -hmm. you know, which would be what confusion, you know, all those things that make us feel lost. Mm -hmm. I, when you say that, I'm reminded of that David White poem, right? When you're lost, stand still and the forest will find you. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Because the tree's never outside the forest. <laughs> right. 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 But the sense of the forest is lost. I mean, the sense of the forest is not available. Exactly. And so you turn to what? So you turn from the feeling of loss to the feeling of found. Uh -huh. And you realize that you were never lost. Because you can't be. Because you can't be, exactly. And um, and it's so beautifully, you, you said it so beautifully, right, Phil? Because if I'm identified with the tree, then I feel separate. If I'm identified with the forest, I feel as part of the forest. And we are able to have both those experiences. And the awareness practice is to develop the awareness of when I'm identified with the tree and when I'm identified when I'm identified with the tree that feels like I'm lost, then I can re-identify with the forest, and I don't. Exactly, because like going through life, one person, one little board, one little eyebrow, can um, we can identify right there with that. Yep. yep. And then we're feeling lost. Yes. Yeah. We call the, the awareness collapses. Awareness collapses to that one little. And then if, when, when with practice, since we know that's exactly what happened, yeah. we can move to that uh, expanding the awareness and we feel found again. We feel found again. Because yeah. I would project that it, it, uh, it's, it's what we realize is what we were talking about with Carolyn, that there, that first of all, when I'm only lost, that's mm -hmm. my only experience, I don't know how to find, how to be found, mm -hmm. right? So the practice is recognizing what the awareness of being the tree is, awareness of what the forest is, awareness of how the attention as an instrument can shift me from one process to the other, mm -hmm. then how it's wonderful to be the tree in the forest, mm -hmm. or just the forest. And there's so many experiences that mm -hmm. we can bring into our lives through the practice of being aware of what's going on in any moment. Yes. I feel lost, I know what that is, redirect attention to being found. Yes, and it, it is the bar, you know, the uh, basis of that is um, there's nothing wrong. Yes, yes, yes. it has to yeah. be. Yeah, I know what we're saying, because it, it just has to be. Yes, as what Bob was saying too. Yes, exactly. if, it, if, it, if being lost or being depressed or being the comet in the extreme orbit is labeled as wrong, then there's a way in which we're stuck. We're stuck. But with practice to recognize that those are just points in process. Mm -hmm. And it's possible to, uh, to be found again. Fluid, yeah. To be fluid, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like that point. It's a point. Point in process. In process. That's yeah. Good one. Yeah. 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 And so I just want to bring myself into awareness that it's a point in process because the process 
is the largest context possible. That's right. It brings yeah. me back to the gravitational field yeah. because I know I'm always connected. Yeah. I'm just on my external point of orbit. Yes. And just to put a, 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 a plug in for, uh, I think the, um, the um, <laughs> love letter uh -huh. and the recording is one of the best things to keep us on in that trajectory. Yes, the love letter is the most one of the most powerful ways to keep us on that trajectory because what it does is it I project, at least it is for me, I don't know for you, the the thread to love keeps getting reinforced. Exactly. And and there's no uh, and it's a um, you know what the infinite yeah kind of circle and it so it um, it's you don't and I just that's my best part the big part of it. You don't know who's saying what. Which I think I think that that is the beauty of it because the condition process is one object and subject. So you are the person who's loving or you're the person who's being loved. Mm -hmm. um, but but all of that is always happening here. So it doesn't matter. But I can I can have all I can be the beloved, I can be the one who's beloved, I can be the, the loving. All of it in in points or mm -hmm. in process. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that. And some of the the uh, just real grateful for that communications uh, retreat. Retreat. <laughs> yes. Expanded things quite a bit. Yes. It was a delicious process. <laughs>
being, being moved by the other person's willingness to do whatever it takes not to suffer, but that is really a way of experiencing the same thing here. Yes. And the recognition of if we don't witness it, we don't experience it. It's not part of our reality. And therefore, the wisdom of actively um, looking to reflect mm. those things. Yeah, and and what dropped in as you were saying that is noticing how that experience of being touched is happening more and more and more all the time. You know, in, in many, it doesn't matter where or, or what, but that it's happening, but I guess <laughs> what it's allowing you to do is acknowledge that that is due to being in touch with, um, I want to say love, with the essence of life. I mean, that, that, that it can be seen and experienced. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, it's it's witnessing that all the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know another way to say that. Let me see if I can reflect it. Yeah. So what what dropped in when you were when you first said it was it, it, it Again, let me see if I can trace it back, right, Jan? Because I think that's what the Buddha taught. Ignorance is the cause of suffering. The ignorance meaning that there are certain things that we're aware of and there are certain things that we're not aware of. And what we're not aware of skews the experience of life, mm -hmm. right? And so to develop a practice of being able to witness things brings everything into awareness. Yes. Right? And so I think that that's what you're talking about, the experience of bringing all aspects of life into awareness because it's happening there, right? It's happening here. So I don't see myself as a person who will do anything to stop suffering. But when that witnessing happens, that becomes an experience of all this is. And we go about opening up those places that are blind spots by witnessing in order to experience all of what is as all of what animates this, yeah. right? And so then if you're in the practice of that, it's not surprising that more and more things get witnessed. Right, and, and it also, <laughs> it points to no separation. Points to I mean, no it's, the, it's the experience over and over again, and what was dropping in is, well, that's just being present. Well, that's not me to say it, yes. but <laughs> it's, being present to, yes. I don't know, I want to say a fuller, a more complete, a yeah. complete experience yes. of what is going on. Yes, so because if you use the word presence, it's like a label. It that's why you, you I, I think we're searching for the specific, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's being, uh, again, going back to Alice Huxley, love is a mode of knowledge. You only know what you love. And so, to, to know this, I was just sitting in meditation looking at the wood, you know, and the panels and the lines and everything else. You can just say it's a wooden floor and you miss the magic of it. Mm -hmm. But if I look at the floor and see that, that line and that grain and that color difference, there's a way in which I'm relating to the floor in attention. That's a loving experience. It's the specificity of it that makes it come alive. And so it is an experience of love, because love is attention. Yes. And that is the quality of witnessing, right? Yeah. Thank you for that. That, that, that <laughs> opens 
I mean, it clarifies, um, it helps to clarify the experience, which enables the, the greater looking, because because the experience has been had. Been had. I've had the <laughs> experience, so it's looking, it's opening up to that being everywhere, mm. and with with everything. And I guess the other thing that dropped in is that witnessing to me another word for that would be acknowledging. Yes. Uh, and that's always seemed like a something that was often missing. Mm. Uh, not so much anymore, but with practice, the acknowledging of whatever is. I mean, whether you get into the detail of or whatever it is. Um, maybe it's the one that's yeah, I, and I would say that acknowledgement for me, it, I've been looking at this because we're always in the mode of longing for it, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's a very visceral experience of separation is I leave the fullness, the orbit of, uh, the, the fullness of being the sun to being the moon and wishing that I would be, I, I could receive the rays of the sun, right? So my attention is on the absence of acknowledgement, seeking acknowledgement from things that don't won't acknowledge me, right? And so I have to flip into the experience of acknowledgement, which is awareness, because it's the positive recognition of something, not the lack, the looking for the recognition of something. The only reason I'm looking for it is because I've already acknowledged it, but I'm in the process of missing the acknowledgement. Because you couldn't know you did you want acknowledged if you hadn't acknowledged it already. But there's an active process of acknowledgement that is, you know, the, the, the visual I have of that is going from a, you know those old negatives that we used to have, where it's the absence of light. So when you look at a negative, it, it's a recognition of everything that's there in absence. Mm. But when you blow up the photograph, it's all present. It's gone from a negative image to the technicolor version of the reality. And so you can acknowledge things in both in both those ways. Mm -hmm. But one way doesn't feel so vividly alive than the other way. Thank you. Tom. Um, really happy to be here. Um, the discussion's been very helpful. Um, what I'm dealing with a lot is having a new person in my life uh -huh. at work. And um, what I'm noticing just in this discussion, how my understanding is transforming is uh, there's this pattern of this new person is there. And uh, and in, 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 the, in the meeting, there is a, a acknowledgement of all this possibilities for this new person. And then over time it changes. Mm -hmm. And it starts to become, when are you going to mess with me? Uh -huh. When are you going to do something that's bad? You know. Mm -hmm. So it starts off you know, on the pink cloud, the honeymoon phase. And then it's not anymore. Mm -hmm. And so dealing with that, um, I got to a point kind of a paranoia. You know, where I felt ego was just I was so obsessed with it, the paranoia started to set in, and this person is going to do something to 
actively destroy the things that are meaningful to me, you know, things like that. So um, I decided to go back and go through session nine of the year-long retreat uh -huh. because it's around work and just the, all the all the specialized content around work in that session I found very helpful. So I'm going through that again, and um, the, a lot has been released through that process. Um, and I hear the thing say, okay, well, it's all been released, so you can stop. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, no, I don't think I will. I think I'm going to continue because I think there's more to be seen. Um, especially in this process of a new person mm -hmm. and how do I relate uh, and how, what, what's the process that I go through, uh, you know, that kind of form of yeah. the thing. Yeah. Um, so, would this be what you're saying, Tom, that you're noticing with this new person a particular process of, of ego, right? Which is, okay, this is all possibility. And then from possibility to um, mistrust mm -hmm. and absolute paranoia, mm -hmm. right? That, and that, and uh, the conditioned belief that is being revealed to you in that observation is that this person is out to get you in some way, mm -hmm. right? So the, the orientation that is being revealed is a lack of trust because you can be sabotaged. Mm -hmm. And I project once you start exploring that, there's the fear and what that means and what, and, and then there's a conditioned reaction that comes out that basically taints the way you are interacting with that person. Yes, that's right. And that's all of what you see. Yeah. And, and it just the, the conversation here is so interesting because it's, well, and like you, like you, you framed it, the idea is that I can be sabotaged. Yes. But there may be an opposite to that, a dualistic opposite to that, but then also a spiritual opposite to that. Yes. Exactly. The the content opposite, the process opposite, mm -hmm. and the spiritual opposite, mm -hmm. right? Because um, the belief is that you can be sabotaged. Mm -hmm. Well, and the, and I don't know if this is um, comforting to you, Tom. <laughs> the answer is you will be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not because, not in that in any way other than that's what this is doing all the time. And you right. can watch the process, right? It starts with complete delight in the person being in your orbit. Mm -hmm. And then the conversation starts in order to set you up to the place of paranoia where you, you, want, you, you are going to be manipulated into either doing something to sabotage it mm -hmm. or for it to be interpreted as sabotage regardless of whether it is or not, because the only lens that I'm developing towards it is one that is heading me towards maintaining itself, which is the belief that sabotage is possible and you will be. And so, you know, that's sort of over and over again what we watch as true. It happens not because it's in the spiritual sense, but in the ego sense, yes. the karma is maintaining itself. Mm -hmm. And so you relax into, yeah, it's going to happen. Because as long as that's not operating, it is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it or they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what it will be. 
Right? Yes. And even if they do it, it's still me who feels the effects. Me who tells the story. Right. Me who and believes God the story. knows what they're what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right? Because they're going through whatever the karmic puppeteer is doing to them. Mm -hmm. And so then we're we're just in a puppet show. And the story <laughs> and the script is decided before uh, we ever got together on any of it. That's right. Right? And so it's completely impersonal in uh -huh. some way. Yeah, in doing the, the day one exercise uh, of just listening to the focus, um, what came to me was sometimes things at work are going really well and they stop going really well and I have no idea why. Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes they're going really badly and then they start going really well and I have no idea why. You know, and so it just, it, it, it can be discomforting in, in some perspective, but really the way I genuinely, authentically feel about it is immense comfort in that. Yeah. Because it has nothing to do with what's going on out there. My experience is dictated by how I am caring for myself. 100%. And that's very comforting. Yes, yes. Because it's because we see the world as it is, right? Which is which is not how we want it to be. Although we can see how we want it to be as well. Sometimes things are things are just things. This is a this is you could say this is bad if that's my perspective of it. But on the day that I feel good, this is good, and on the day I feel bad, this is bad. It's sort of irrelevant what this is, as long as I realize that my experience of it is happening here. And then I have the comfort of knowing that all I can, that it's actually within my willingness to, to be with it, whatever it is. It's a question of being with it not for it, for me to have, to make the effort to make it go from good to bad, right? Yeah, the, the, it's not about controlling how I feel, but being able to be with whatever is going on for me. Yeah, it's, yes. it's very comforting. So comforting, and it goes back to just the beginning of the group too, where it's like, the I can pick out. Once I, when, when I'm in that place, it's just this mismatch of, of I don't know what the heck is going on, and I'm just reacting, reacting, reacting. But when I'm actually paying attention very closely, I can all of a sudden start to discern the small subtleties yeah. of the experience instead of just, ah, you know, it's just yeah. this, oh, okay, this is this is interacting with this thing. And the just I feel like the clarity gets turned up. Yes. You know, and I can, it's not just, you know, like like this being said, you know, it's not just these grays, it's these, okay, there's a little bit more gray here than there. And it, and it all starts to start to become exciting, interesting. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, and it goes back to these, right? Yes. So when, if I'm in that conditioned conversation, what your experience of that is a half, mm -hmm. right? But as I start to pay attention, you see the lines and you get interested. Mm -hmm. And you get interested in how it is not just the labeling of it as a blank something. And so as soon as the attention starts to zero in on the specificity of it, we've gone from being in the conditioned, <coughs> conditioned experience of it to my direct experience of it. And the flavor of it changes, right? Now it's cu I'm curious, I'm interested, I'm fascinated, because I'm here for it through the mode of attention rather than not being here 
and being in that conditioned abstraction of it, which gives me no information whatsoever. The clarity comes from being present enough to receive the information in the moment. And so an absence of clarity implies I'm not here. And, and you don't change the situation, you don't change the paranoia loop, you don't change anything. You don't have to in, engage with that process to work it out. Just being present, you cannot be paranoid. Because you're not in a process that is being paranoid, right? You're just here for whatever it is. And so it's complete and total and whole and available in this moment. There's nothing missing. So yeah. there's n there's nothing that is left here to go, well, what is the sabotage going to be? Mm -hmm. It's what it is. Mm -hmm. It can't be sabotage if I'm here for whatever it is. Right? Yeah, and another thing about it is I was given some guidance once where it's like if I'm thinking that that thing is going to happen and preparing for it, it's already happened. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I'm just fooling myself to think yeah. that it happened. Yeah, that we, we have the worst experience as it's projecting the worst experience. <laughs> Thinking that we're, then that that's a way to, to prepare for when it actually happens. Because when it actually happens, God knows what I'm going to be thinking about. Right. It's going to be different. It's going to be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do know that I won't be here for it because I've trained myself not to be here for it. 